Welcome to the Shannon Milliman Show podcast, where together we believe there is beauty in the mundane, joy in imperfect action, creative words lift us in light and dark. You are the poet of this little corner of earth. It is your job, whether you have experience or not, to bard, to evoke, and to uplift. The bird is circling our little event at Bishop's Creek in Nikiski, Alaska. The bird is an eagle, and it takes no notice of how rare, majestic, and special he is. He only lunges, looking for scraps of hot dog buns and graham crackers we might leave behind from our little fire roast. Moses is preteen this summer and has eagle eyes. Those magic eye photos that some people can see an image pop out of if they cross their eyes just so. I was never one of those people. You could look beyond it, not at it, as if you are dazing into space. I've been told all the tricks of how, but application is not so accessible. Moses was a toddler when he was in the middle of a flock of seagulls at the Oregon coast. I don't even think he had food. They were simply drawn to him and trusted him. The animal bird nature boy turned almost man, seized the birds, he sees their bird hole in the side of the ocean, a nest in the sandstone cliff where they seek shelter from the wind. Today there is no wind. Today there is peace and jubilance and slipping in mud and the remembrance that once I played here and my mom and dad were in the background and I knew this was heaven on earth. And maybe it was this bird's mother that encircled me as I floated down the meandering creek flowing into the river. The moments glide by. These kids, this boy almost a man, and his moments of youth are fleeting. Without realizing it, that bird swoops down and snatches the last hot dog. That's sort of how youth is. Look beyond the image the moment you see it. The moment and you see it, or you don't. Float on what in the world is his name's boat? Well, he was borrowing the boat, boat from Dennis Carlson's son, his friend from college who actually wasn't that close of a friend, but somehow found himself inviting himself to Alaska, and Dennis's son connected with him on a job opportunity. He saw something in me. I'm 18, and I've never had someone see something in me. Was it that inner glow? Was it that special spark? My sweet spirit? that little light of mind shining, Eric from Cache Valley, Utah. He asked me to take a barefoot walk with him on the Kasilov Beach, a casual, romantic, easy date moment. We met fishing in galoshes and red raincoats and caught illustrious silver salmon, guys like a tough girl who can clean their own salmon. He must like me then, since I am stepping into my wily womanly ways, I might as well up my ante and ask him if he's up for a kiss. Shot down, like the sinker in the boat, dropped with line to the bottom of the ocean. He's saving himself, saving his lips, or something. Or he would if he would, but he won't some sort of bumbling explanation that sounded underwater to me. In my humiliation, what was I thinking, acting like a math mermaid of the deep sea, the silent of the salmon? 
I am stringy-haired Shannon who needs to put on some makeup, who should never frolic on the sand barefoot thinking her spirit shines bright. Did she learn her lesson? No, but it's a good thing because she is Shannon with stringy hair and her soul shines bright. Something I learned or discovered about myself through writing. I don't listen well. Not to the people in the room with me. Not to the people I profess to care about deeply. Not to my husband. He talks too slow and sounds too smart. I know better. Not to my daughter. Because how can I listen when she won't talk? You have to sit there and listen forever in order to get any listening in. And my son with his dreams... I had a meme, I read a meme that says, don't ever be that person that crushes someone's dreams. Oh, great. He's even told me I'm a dream crusher. So what to do with that? And my daughter, so impassioned by the political sways and winds of what's online and what's popular, I have a wall against her inquisitive nature, her wanton belief in anything social and justice related and bias toward anything not status quo. I shut her down, I cut her off, I interrupt her. That is how I listen to her. My other daughter always seems like she's an alien on another planet. I can't attend or give her too much or she's bothered. She will joke. That's how I'm supposed to listen to her, but I have no jokes. So I step back and let Eli put her on a pedestal and observe that he is doing it and tell him so. So he puts her down, but I am doing more harm than he and my youngest is at the neighbor's, but every night he hugs me goodnight and asks me to hold him accountable to a learning goal. Make him a page of math. I can do that. Am I like my mom, only capable of coercing and connecting with a child? Upon a certain level of development, she has no part of them. Cut them off. So I'm supposed to be learning something about myself as I write. I am learning. I want so much to be learning about the people in my life that if I observe them, scrutinize them, didact them, then I will know the holy grail of golden puzzle piece connection. I can hold my golden piece up, they will grasp for it, and we will connect the puzzle. The last piece that has fallen on the dusty floor is found, and it is gold, revelatory, and fits right in the center. That's what I do. I observe and note, and find how that connects to the now or the yesterday. But what if that moment's muse is wrong and me forcing its meaning disassociates me from being able to write what would be good, better, best? Never let it rest. Make new friends, but keep the old. I remember sewing with a big quilting needle through layers of newspaper and laminated plastic, making a sit-upon at Girl Scout day camp. There I made new friends and kept the old and one with silver and the other gold. Here I am, seeking my gold, polishing it, shining it, and thinking that the gold will bless and sustain us and will make our difference, differences dissipate. But really, all that happens is the golden puzzle piece fits into the puzzle and you see a scene. Not a bad scene or a good scene, but simply a scene. And it is a nice scene, but it's annoying that there are ridges and bumps of separation, separate puzzle pieces merging into each other, pretending they are one. All it would take was an earthquake or a hand to brush it over and disconnect it all. 
all the observation does is observe. It just is. It does not resurrect or reveal or prophesize the experience. It just puts light on it. Light that makes it easier to see the bumps and ridges of separate puzzle pieces, pretending they are one scene. A time I laughed so hard I cried. We are sitting on the church pew, middle row. We were late, as usual. And it's me, my mom, my little brothers, my little sister. My friend Danielle snuck in late, too, and knew we would be safe clientele to sit with because we are always late. So she slides in to share our pew. My mom beams to see her. She likes her. Danielle's friendly and free and in theater at school with me, and she is in my early morning seminary class. We're in the same grade. Danielle is the student body president, but she's not stuffed up and haughty like most brand student council people are. She's down to earth. My dad would call her salt of the earth. And when we had youth dances and my dad would chaperone, he would ask her to dance and she would say yes. She would never be embarrassed of the coolest dad. So she sits next to us. And at the same time that my mom beams to see her, she is pulling out items from her Peter Rabbit diaper bag. A package of wipes, a diaper, and a cloth burp rag with a spoon attached. When she recognizes that the sterling silver spoon is attached to the cotton fabric in a millisecond, she sizes up the spoon cloth predicament and scene changes. Sees Danielle. Yeah, she is cool and nice and down to earth, but let's get real. She is an outside, not a Christensen. And she is not privy to the normal and exotic comings and goings of the Christensen household. She flash speed wraps her arms around the spoon cloth embarrassment and attempts to shove it into her bag as if it cannot be seen by the outsider, like it's a dirty magazine and something to be mortified of. Danielle catches in the millibeat what my mom is doing and laughs the snort laugh. She laughs the freedom. Her laugh rumbles off the light in the cathedral ceiling and the laugh bounces and ricochets off that resonant metal spoon. And that makes my mom laugh and cry and probably pee her pants a little because after six kids, that's what happens. And then I laugh, and the laugh is a bouncing rubber ball, bouncing erratically all over the chapel. The others look and want to bouncing ball, but they don't get it, can't get it. Explaining would be futile, so we just let it happen. Bounce that ball up and down, and all around, and all the while, the baby is grabbing for that spoon. Why are we hiding it? Give me the spoon, the laugh. The laugh is ours forever. Comet Neowise is visible under the Big Dipper. It's been at the edge of the cosmos for a couple of weeks. I went camping over the weekend with friends and family that I connect with annually. My in-laws joined in on the second day. I felt like I was sharing with them a part of my heart, a secret star in my soul. They watched Sunny, Adriana, Rainbow, and Phineas swim in the Lewis River. The shallow, bumbling rocks bring the kids to the largest rock that is close. The kid's queen, Sunny, takes her throne and tells them about her mental illness. I only know that because when we walked back to the camp, stopping to point out the white berries that soap can be made out of, pop a couple tart red huckleberries and one raspberry, 
Grandma is excited about the berries and picks them alongside Adriana and Rainbow. She delights in being next to them. She darts out of the view of my camera. Later, my father-in-law tells me she hates being photographed. I laugh and say, she's Amish, afraid it will steal her soul. But he explains it's being self-conscious of the weight gain seniority has brought her. I'm tiptoeing, affirming, validating, being kind, respectful, listening, not being rude, way to sensitive. The thought comes in my mind a couple of times. We should try to see the comet while we were out in the woods with the Douglas fir trees that bleed sap. Sonny told me I could put the sap on my cut and it would serve as an antiseptic. You can eat it too. So I did, but it made the Oreos taste like tin and menthol for several hours. Though it did not stop me from going back to the plastic package to sneak one, two, sometimes three, repeat, treatments from nature. Here, I feel I am whole and unimpaired. Later, I would feel disjointed, depleted, flawed, and human, more hue than man. I would wish there were some way to reverse the nail I had hammered with my own grisly hands into that epic Douglas fir tree. I hammered for years, committed to the goal of pounding, drilling, piercing the wood flesh of my sister's life choices. I am the Boy Scout leader who had some good intentions to drill this nail into the tree. It would be helpful so they could tie things to the tree, like a string of lights to help the scouts and fairies see their way in the dark. Comet Neowise would quietly wake us with streams of light, like the water droplets on a car window bespeckled with wind. I know what is best for this tree because tree and I are both living things. We each started from seed, DNA. We grew and we both felt wind, danced ballet in the thunder, reached toward the midnight sun, and inhaled each carbon dioxide and oxygen. I retired to my tent, breathing deeply and happy that my four children sang a trio, sharing their souls with their friends. Proud that around the campfire, I told a story about my first cousin once removed, who reminds me of the Douglas fir tree, and shared with my mother and father of my husband a little bit of what gives me light. I know who nailed that metal silver into his heart. And then we, he, sobbed to his awakened artist mother on his knee. His knee was stabbed with that hammer. I explained to my father-in-law the stargaze of talking with someone who respects our religion, but who is not of it, of the charm of talking to extreme hippies who tell my social justice-inclined Adriana that the dairy industry is the man. Yoplait donates money to breast cancer because their hormones cause it. He points out that the government is tracking us with social security numbers. There's community and organizations, and there are deep flaws in organized religion. That magic night, that magic might exist. That philosophy feels like campfire smoke on an easterly wind. Permanence is the promise that we can see the Milky Way across, away from the city. I go to bed at night at midnight, and the kids go to bed at two or three, and they are tired in the morning, and waking up is hard to do, but I have to rouse them because the dew on the inside of the tent drips like April showers, and we have to bind the tent up to meet grandparents bright and early. The kids are drowsy drunk on stories about UFOs, Sasquatch, the Moab Desert, 
eating a snake and making friends with strangers who are not so strange. Driving away from the memory up the rocky road, I asked them each what was something they enjoyed about the trip. Sunny, talking with flower. Adriana, campfire. Rainbow, swimming in the river. Phineas, red vines. I'm so relieved he found his Swiss army knife that grandparents gave him for a birthday present. He traced his steps. He remembers he had it this morning by his sleeping bag. It was inside of it. Inside of me, I realize I forgot to find Comet Neowise. They are tired and argue over the AC temperature. Is this what belonging is? I don't know what fate is ahead. The sticky residue is still on my left forefinger, healing my cut. It feels markedly less infected compared to yesterday. We visit with grandparents, and Grandma spoils them with perfectly scrambled eggs, with asparagus, that Grandpa must comment on how repulsed he is. Again, dark toast, buttery hash browns, and disc sausages. Full and content, we laugh about dreams, nightmares, night talking, and walking, and we remember the time when we finally arrive home, and I scroll through my Facebook feed and see it. The majestic Douglas fir tree bleeds profusely. She bleeds like a wound unsutured, like a gash unstitched. She bleeds of the mistreatment, the injustice, the hypocrisy, and the self-righteousness of her sister, of me. My sister has posted all the gossip I have spoken of her and kept from her about her for years. She does not have all of it represented accurately. 50% is inaccurate but 50% is accurate. The woman of a tree screams as her sap trickles and screeches. It thickens as her forest affirms and validates her viewpoint, life choices, and strengths. Her roots are deeply pulling from the earth, sucking the life force from her earth, demanding the nutrients to prove her life is. Her tree, tree rings speak sentences of famine, desolation, floods, and of a sister, like a pretentious eagle scout, pounding, drilling, nailing into her bark because she thought her life was more valuable than hers. A tornado uproots those desperate roots, and the eagle scout leader can't see that it is their fault, her fault, her own fault. The Douglas fir says, I would not do this to her if she were a man, which confuses me because I am a woman and am the feminist struggle. I want to hold her up but I have bled her dry. She rejects her destroyer, even her innocent destroyer. How innocent can I be when I knew exactly what I was doing, when I perceived myself as the one more evolved? Something I've always been is confident. Others perceive it as self-righteous, hypocritical, condescending. From their perspective, low to the ground, peering up at a bright comet, they point to a specific scenario where I contradict myself at the expense of others. I do one think. I do one think and say another. Can you be two things at once? Can you be a hypocrite and also a comet? Can you be the one certain that your light quickens the pulse of all below you? I want to dance with you, but I also want to be in the center of the stage, spinning, effervescent, fizzing, trying to make hip-hop and ballet friends. A laser light show graceful and divine. Could the solution be to create something together? How can you create when your modus operandi 
has always been to sever, bleed, and hammer. Can you patch the stardust leak and wrap binds of antiseptic medicine on the wounds and allow self to seal itself? Can you let the comet and the tree be who they are and exist in perfect separate communion together? How can the shaking pom-poms on her costume complement her garmented body? Is there room for her to see that feminism both covers and uncovers both beings, both spirits of land and sky trying their best to make it to the other side? What is the view like from the heavens? What is the view like from the mountains? How are each so high, but we miss the comet when we were close?